4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Four o'clock hour. Thanks to Jeff Grammer for popping on. Never too early, Willie, to talk some Mountain West Conference basketball. And I think uh, with the transfer portal, we, we probably should have mentioned more names during that spot. Um, we'll get a little more uh, deep divey on basketball in a little bit. There, it's it's been such Armageddon. It's hard to even keep track of you know who's where and who left. So Mountain West should be good in basketball, though. San Diego State uh, just got back Nathan Mensa. They're big, who I think is the best defensive player in the league and can cover one through five. Ridiculous the d- d- defender on pick and roll because he has no problem switching off onto a point guard and is like, okay, let's go. I'm at six eleven, I'm still going to cover you. You're not turning the corner. They got the point guard from. I want to get the school right here. Seattle, right? Who the Rebels actually shut down. He only scored six points, but he's a 17 point per game guy. And they also got uh, another transfer from the Midwest and most of their team is back. So they're pretty loaded. And if their new guys play defense, like their old guys, they're good. And, and actually the, the big transfer spot around the Mountain West conference was freaking Wyoming. Wyoming got Ethan Anderson, who was a Menzies commit. When Menzies got fired, went to USC, he wanted to play one more year and he picked Wyoming, and now he's going to Laramie. Yep, and they uh, Wyoming also got two, you know, six, seven, six, eight wings from the Pac-12 to come along with them. And Maldonado's back. He's their, you know, their six-seven point guard kind of. He's, I think this year he'll play the two, the three. They got their big man, uh, big man back in Graham Ek. So they're pretty loaded. And then with Colorado State. Uh, we'll have to see on this one. If David Roddy leaves, then they're a much different team. If Roddy comes back, then, yeah, clearly they're yeah. a top-three team again, which is weird and kind of funny because the Rebels roster from a year ago was just a bad matchup. And when I say the Rebels roster, it was Bryce Hamilton who destroyed CSU. So, Well, Kevin's been playing the transfer portal game. How, yeah. I mean, in your assessment, where where do they fall now? I I think they're probably in that fifth, sixth, seventh range. I don't think they're done in the transfer portal. I still think there's going to be some impact players available in the transfer portal. They have built what could be, outside of San Diego State, the best defensive team in the conference, right? Because they added another big in Isaiah Cottrell. I was just going to say, I mean. And we saw that David Woka was developing nicely at 6'10", 6'11". If uh, Vic Iwako can stay healthy, he's you know a Tasmanian devil out there. He's a good player. And then they've got a bunch of dudes who are 6'4 to 6'6 who can defend the wing. Now, the big thing is going to be scoring. You know, you lost a guy who averaged 23 points a game in conference. And if uh, Donovan Williams doesn't come back and Royce Ham was, you know, reliable at times scoring, they're going to have to find a way to score. And, and hey, they, they've gotten transfers in from Duquesne and Oklahoma and Colorado and Ole Miss, and a lot like Ham and Donovan Williams were a year ago, um, some of these guys weren't big scorers at their other places. Maybe didn't play a whole lot of minutes, although most of these guys played minutes. Um, when you when you go from a Power 5 to UNLV and you get playing time, there's going to be an expectation that everyone's going to be able to up their game offensively. So hopefully that makes up for the loss of Hamilton and potentially the loss of Donovan Williams. I hope Williams comes back. I think you know for him it would be fun. He can be a great player, um, and they'd have a lot of lineup flexibility. They can play big lineups. They can play small lineups. They're going to be long, too. Well, and I don't know about the comparison to Mensa, but Cottrell, you know, I remember when he was still being recruited, yeah. it was beyond, 
his play in the paint, that he was an agile guy with good footwork. And, you know, he may be able to, you know, defend, like you said, they're, they're, they've definitely improved defensively. And he may be a guy who can guard those swing men, you know, from three through five and based on whatever they do during the off season and get him involved a little bit more. I mean, he could be a pivotal player that transitions this team in a big time way. The top 75 recruit at one point. Yeah. Now he just, he couldn't carve out a lot of playing time because he also had a serious injury. Right. But his upside is tremendous. It is. That was a, that was a really good get. I mean, it was all it was all Power Five schools that were recruiting him. So, and in the end, UNLV I think beat out Washington. You know, you never know in the end. So, and UNLV's been out there looking for other big guys. They they were they were trying to bring in some young big big guys, and they you know came down to them and some other schools, and they lost some of those battles. So, I still think in the portal they're going to find some more useful pieces, and it'll probably be more on the you know, the big wing end of things, you know, a guy who can play the three, four. You were talking earlier about, you know, NILs and, you know, public funding, government, you know, getting, I mean, if there's a town where you can get people like, in a sense, you know, a lot of the boards around town have city council and Clark County members. And a lot of those boards are loaded with old school people that were around when they're running rebels. They understand the importance of it. If that's something where they can work out mm-hmm. where the LVCVA, the convention visitors authority, or just in general, the power brokers, I got news for you. We we've said this time and time again, that, you know, the local powers that are the, the boosters from the, from the old school that, that once they start, once it happens, the floodgates are going to be open. And I think you're going to see Arroyo and Kruger and LaRock benefit among all the programs. But I think those yeah. three, and it's going to not just have an impact within this city and this program, it's going to have a major impact in the conference. I mean, Lindy's already done an amazing job in her first two years, but I'm talking about a huge, huge year. It's going to be in terms of what they're going to be able to offer, how they're going to be able to get deals for these kids and, and or assist in it because they can't really have hands on. But we know that they open the door. Those NILs that come from Las Vegas and the opportunities that are here, when it happens and it, the dominoes are going to fall, look out, Mountain West. Yeah, men's basketball has to take the next step and has to threaten 20 wins in an NCAA tournament bid. I think you know you give you give potential backers in the market a little more to get enthused about, and it's going to happen. And here's the other thing. Don't believe for one second that there's not already NIL money around the programs. Every school operates differently. You know, Boise's actually been really aggressive in announcing when guys were coming in as transfers or guys were returning. Like Marcus Shaver, their point guard, was in the transfer portal, and more accurately, he was looking at the NBA. So he, you know, last week he's like, "Hey, I'm going to come back right away." They put out a graphic. Shaver's back. Here's two sponsors. Now, what they didn't do is what Miami of Florida did, which was stupid, where they're like, "Hey, you know, we got the 17 point per game score from Kansas State. He's getting four hundred thousand dollars. Like that doesn't need to happen." That's stupid. That's counterproductive. That just creates problems. It's no one's business, the exact dollar amount. Um, right. And But you can use that on the recruiting trail, but you don't need to put that out to fans. You don't. and, and it just, it, It's well, just going to create problems. Forget the fans. You don't want to have it out there because now all of a sudden – you get into just like the the, uh, the you know the NFL wide receivers, right? right. Now, we find out what the, all of a sudden. So we go, wait a minute, I just got here. 
Right. And I'm getting this autograph deal for this sports car thing, or I'm getting this from, you know, this uh, this car dealership. Wait a minute. You're telling me it, 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 you don't want those numbers out there because each one's deal is private. It's just like a job in in where you don't discuss your salary. You don't discuss your uh, your NIL because you don't want the other kid get you know just 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 make your deal and keep your mouth shut. So news of the last couple of days is Colin Kaepernick getting a tryout with the Raiders. Now there's news out there that hey maybe the Seahawks could look at him that he was uh, throwing with Lockett at some point during the summer. Bears could look at him. And, you know, the, the funny thing on the, the Kaepernick deal, um, and I've seen Q and also uh, Vic Tafer, our buddy from The Athletic, kind of address this, where they, they throw out tweets and they're like, listen, I know everyone's got an opinion on this guy, but we don't need to sit and argue the same points over and over and over again. Like, if you don't like the guy and you're never going to like the guy because of his you know, right to exercise some social justice pushback over the years, that's fine. Then that's set in stone for you, right? But there's other narratives that have come out that that just get repeated over and over and over again that have been countered or are not true. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that folks throw out there is he doesn't want to be a backup. He just said in the last month on a podcast that – he knows he has to be a backup if he's going to get back in the NFL. He's not getting a starting job right out of the gate. So we had Ian Williams on, who was a defensive line, Notre Dame guy. He's now an analyst for CBS Sports Orlando. And Ian Williams played for the Niners the same exact years, 2011 to 2016, with Kaepernick. So we wanted to get his opinion. You know, he saw the guy in games. He saw the guy in practice. He saw him from the beginning to the end. And the end is another thing that's always up for debate with, you know, the, the whole Kaepernick narrative. Like, he sucked! Okay, we'll get to that in a second. But we asked Ian Williams, just the state of backup quarterbacks around this league, can Kaepernick walk in and at least be a backup, or is he not amongst the top freaking 96 quarterbacks in the world? Negative. There are not many second or third string quarterbacks out there that's better than Colin Kaepernick. There's going to be some changes in his game, his throwing motion and, 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 and certain things, but He's still a great quarterback. He still understands the game. He can still read a defense. And it's just like you said, if things were to break down in the pocket, he, he can still use his legs. And I think the game is transitioning towards quarterbacks who can use their legs. So I think in certain instances, especially with Derek Carr's uh, 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 strong suit, you can definitely you know flip the offensive game and be able to throw Colin Kaepernick out there on the fourth down or be able to use him in packages where now you know that second-string quarterback, you can actually make him useful in an offensive game plan. A lot of people have gone back and kind of rewritten what Kaepernick was at what turned out to be the end of his NFL run, thinking, hey, you know what? The Niners weren't good. He sucked. He was just looking for a way to get out because he was on this downhill slide. When you lose that core of guys around you, you're not going to be the same player. If you could put him on that same team with those same guys, the same mindset, you'll get the same Kaepernick out of him, and you'll get that same player out of, a, out of a lot of guys. You put a great player on a very weak team that's on the bottom picking in the first, second, or third picks in the NFL draft, he's going to be an average player. Now, if you put that average player on a great team with the Patriots or somebody who's yeah. picking last in the first round, he's going to be a great player, or he's going to most likely have the best chance to succeed. So if you have Cap 
and some great players around. You have Devontae Adams. If anything happens to Derek Carr, you have a great running game. You have a lot of things outside of Colin Kaepernick and his arm and his legs to be able to make the team succeed and be able to function great on offense. Now, the beginning of his career, Kaepernick got to work with Jim Harbaugh. Uh, you know, the end of the Niners run, it was the guy who was farting in the press conference is Jim Tom Sula. Kind of makes a difference, right? Supporting cast does make a difference. The other narrative that's thrown out there all the time is the circus is coming to town and <laughs> this guy's going to, he's going to divide a locker room. He's going to be a mess. Teams will not want to deal with this sort of stuff in the locker room. I think guys could be able to definitely coexist and talk about real issues in the locker room. He used his platform and took the sacrifice knowing of what could possibly happen and still did it. And now, a few years later, now we're talking about him getting a tryout where all the things that he did is starting to culminate now, which is why he did what he did. But I feel like if he were to step into a locker room, obviously there are some discussions that are going to be had. And I feel like we'll eventually figure it out, just like we always figure it out on the field, whether it's offensively or defensively. I feel like a guy like Colin Kaepernick coming into a locker room would definitely uplift everybody, especially people who are trying to be professionals and win football games. You know, you could believe what do you want off the field, but when you're here in these locker rooms, we're trying to win football games. So bring your best best pail to work. You're shaking your head. At which part? Nothing that he said. I'm just shaking my head at the narratives that you threw out there that he encountered because I agree with what he said. But the biggest thing that irritates me is that people are still questioning if he's going to be a distraction and the quote-unquote circus that he brings. I got news for you. If First of all, I don't think that it's going to be as big of a, a sort of a distraction that maybe it was when he first started kneeling for the national anthem. But let me tell you something. If you think that his social stance based on what we're still seeing right. in public. Just the other day, 19 elementary school children were shot. A week or so ago, a black community, an elderly community, three different shootings. We've had Steve Kerr come to a press conference. We're going to touch on this a little in a little bit. We've had a WNBA star say media blackout. Whether it's shootings, whether it's social injustice, distractions are part of life. And these are people that have huge platforms. And if they want to take the stand and use that platform to come out and say, hey, America, this is wrong, then you better deal with it. That's just the bottom line. You have no problems in standing up when it comes to people have no problem when it comes up and talking about gun control. But you have a problem when someone has an issue with racial and social injustices. Get over yourself. If they want to take that stand, fine. If teams don't want to deal with it, that's on them, and they have a right to say no to these players. But the bottom line is, Colin Kaepernick's not going to cause a distraction. We are, as media members, by asking questions, and people, the fans and the public that question their stances are causing it. Yeah, a lot has changed. Because what he did, Kaepernick, was sort of open the door for athletes to speak out more. And now we've got hundreds and hundreds of athletes who speak out. And frankly, as Willie just mentioned, I mean, we're sort of a mess in the U.S. on a lot of fronts, right? We're all having active discussions. We don't all have to agree with each other on issues, but having the discussion... I mean, I think we're past the point where we're like, ah, you know, the whole, the whole, you know, stick to sports thing. And that will get shouted down so quickly. And if you're one of those people, then I guess you fade away from being 
a sports fan, or maybe over the years you've you've gotten a little more perspective and you're willing to listen to athletes. So I don't I don't think it would turn into a circus. It might be interesting, you know, on the road, but there's not a whole lot of media availability for players before they you know head to another city. Uh, well, the Raiders the Raiders can insulate them pretty good. We saw yesterday the way they reacted to it. What do you think will happen on the road? Hang on, timeout. Let's not forget NFL locker rooms are open this year, so. We will have access to them. So Colin Kaepernick comes. So you do to, think when he's they're getting set for the uh, the opener in L.A. There'll be some L.A. reporters who will come up and let's. We no, want to no, do no, some no. features. Locker room, like, I'm talking about like I believe I want to say I don't know because I haven't been part of the media court the NFL media court since they've arrived here because right. they they got here and then COVID. Uh, but if I'm not mistaken, based on some of the veteran guys that that have covered the Raiders that when they were up there, right, the ones I trust and you know confer with. From the Bay Area, Thursdays are the day. So the hometown media, when they go to on the road, they go to L.A., they go to Denver, they go to Kansas City, locker rooms aren't open the day before a game. Now, I don't know how it works on game day if they do open it up or they just bring them into the media room, how that works post-game. I just know that the local media, so my point is, there's no isolation. NFL rules, now, they can turn it, they can disappear and not be available, make themselves available and stay in the weight room, stay in here, and then Which they happens often. Hanging. It's going to happen. Right. But the bottom line is, you do if you want to do that for 17 weeks and get fined, because it, when it becomes habitual, right, right. you can complain. You can complain. And I wasn't suggesting he's never going to be available. No, but no, and you didn't even put it on him. You said it, they would isolate him. That means when you're saying they, that means the upper brass, the, the the Raiders. But the fact of the matter is, he has something to say. And if they brought him into play, there, if they brought him in to work out, and other teams are, they're obviously the teams that bring him in to work out to see what he's got. They don't have a problem with it. And I got news for you. He's one of the 64 best quarterbacks in the world right now. The suffering, he may not have been playing in all this time. Guess what that means, even at 34, 35 years old? He's got no NFL miles on him. Guy hasn't been hit. So he's got no dings. He's got no bruises. He's got no bumps. He's got no injuries. He's fresh. You don't think he's been keeping himself in shape? He's strong. He's agile at that age? Come on. 364-1100, Chime in. Warren Moon talked about Colin Kaepernick. Uh, we'll get more feedback from a guy like uh, Ian Williams. Could happen. He might sign here. The workout could end with nothing happening. He could sign in Seattle. He could land in Chicago. Maybe he doesn't make it back to the NFL. But I know you know people still think about this stuff with Kaepernick. And I think enough time has passed. You know, we've all got a little more perspective. I think. There are people out there are still super angry about it. But uh, we we've seen a lot go down around this country when it comes to athlete uh, activity and athletes being outspoken. I think we can deal with it now. 364-1100. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. I think Josh McDaniels, because of his success with Cam Newton and also with with, uh, Tim Tebow, he knows how to work with that type of quarterback. And maybe there's a package of plays that he can put in to help the Raiders maybe in game time situations. But also you're bringing a guy that has experience in the league as an experienced backup. And if you look at the uh, backups they have right now, they don't have a whole lot of experience as far as game time. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Legendary quarterback Warren Moon on TMZ talking about Colin Kaepernick and Josh McDaniels and potentially having some packages for Kaepernick, kind of like the Raiders had last year that was at least in the works with Mariota and uh, also mentioning Josh McDaniels' familiarity with 
Cam Newton. They're not exactly the same guy, and we don't know what Kaepernick has left. Uh, but, yeah, we'll see what happens over the next couple of days. Right now, it doesn't look like he's going to be signed anytime soon. They took a look at him. Josh McDaniel said, hey, we bring in a lot of people. Take a look at him. There are reports out there. The Bears may kick the tires on Kaepernick. I think Seattle should. Uh, their quarterback situation is not good, and he should be interested in going there. I don't think he could win the starting quarterback job out of the gates, but my God, they got to increase the competition. We were just talking about, you know, Kaepernick and the circus and, you know, how uncomfortable some people are. They're still mad, you know, going back five years ago. And, you know, I'll, I'll counter that with a lot has changed in five years, and there's a lot more athletes who are active, and the NBA took a big role uh, a couple of summers ago. Um, I don't think people are as anti you know, athletes speaking out as it used to be. There are still some are very anti. Um, but I'll give you a good example because um, there's a lot of stuff to discuss. There's a lot of stuff to protest. There's a lot of stuff to get loud about right now around the country. The Giants manager, Gabe Kapler, uh, told reporters earlier today he doesn't plan on taking the field for the national anthem. I didn't even know he wasn't taking the field. Uh, you and I were just talking during the break. The um, When the national anthem plays at McAlter Arena, the Aces, and is that every team? Because I know the game I, I was at, both, both teams aren't out there. No, I think it's the, I think it's league-wide, Yeah, and I just think that that's something that they decided, and they they come out for warm-ups, they go back for their final pregame meeting, and that's when they play the national anthem. It's conveniently... It can be conveniently said that that's when they're preparing for pregame introductions. And if people have a problem with it, then that's on you. That's well, too bad. No one cared. Until, Nobody's and, even until, noticing until, until we bring right, it up. Right, until it's brought up on a video. And, you know, I've been at, I've been at college basketball games, and there were, there were players kneeling, and no Still, one cared, yep. and it didn't get out there. And, um, but, yeah, but Gabe Kapler said, I'm not, I'm not going out for the anthem because uh, right now he's not okay with the state of this country. And, hey, if that's your way of – Raising attention or, you know, protesting, go ahead and do what you want. So I'm 50-50. Sometimes I'll stay out at games for the National Anthem. Other times I go in the back, think to myself. Other times I'll just I'll walk away from it completely. Um, you know, I've, I've said years ago when we would talk about this all the time, I just feel like in a lot of ways the Anthem has been weaponized and I'm not interested in being part of that. Where are you as far as... There's a lot of talk since all this has started in terms of just eliminating playing it before the. I think they they can play it, but you do what you want to do. You know, if you want to keep your hat on, you do it. You want to sit, you do it. You want to put your hand on your heart, you do it. You want to kneel, you do it. You want to go to the bathroom, go ahead and do it. You want to sing along, do it. I don't. I don't care. I put my hand over my heart when I'm standing. I stand up. I put my hand over my heart. Um, and there have been times where, not because of the national, but that's the time when I'm like at Golden Knights games right before the game. If I go to use restroom or to get my, you know, my water, my refreshments, whatever for the first period, it just happens to fall in that it's not purposely or whatever, but then people look down upon that. There are local media members that sit during the, the Raiders <laughs> and, and the Aces and whatever. That's on them. Huh? I don't have a problem with it. Here's the thing. And I, by the way, I, I, personally, I, I like a, I like a good national anthem. I can be brought to getting misty eyed. During a good national anthem. So when my son, when we used to go to taekwondo tournaments, and he 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 fought under the USA Taekwondo sanctioning from Colorado Springs, I taught him that at and every tournament, every tournament, the USA Taekwondo because it was sanctioned by the Olympic Committee, there was a national anthem played, and I always taught him: you stand up, you put your hand over your heart, you show respect, 
Some of the kids would goof around. I mean, you're talking about six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, but these were nationally qualified kids. But I tell what I taught him to this day. I stand up. I put my hand over my heart. But you know what? The same people that say I saw some remarks to, uh, on Twitter to the Gabe Kapler thing. Blah, blah blah. Very one of the first comments I saw. Somebody said, "I'm sure that the uh, my somebody who is a Giants fan and uh, served." Uh, really appreciates the fact that he fought for your the if he fought or she fought for the right to stand, guess what? He or she fought for the right to make the choice to not stand. I love stolen valor. I love when people speak on behalf of veterans and their family. <laughs> yes. I love that when they puff out their chest. You know? It's it's, it's funny. And and all the military is not, you know, Homogenous in thought, all veterans are not the same. So, especially when, uh, especially when the, the the military member of that story, which I think has eventually was proven true, that Colin Kaepernick conferred with, and he said, "This is what I want to do." And he said, "Actually, instead of <laughs> sitting, it is true. It's better. It, it would be more if you knelt." And he took the advice of a military, someone with military background. That's how it started, right? Yep. That's how it started. Um, I just mentioned getting misty-eyed sometimes during the National Anthem. Man, uh, there was a tweet yesterday. Totally got me. I'm not a crier. And for a second, I was like, God, I'm bummed. Yeah. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. You're live with the Fat Pack on Cofield and company. I'm going to live till I die. So you want to know the tweet that got me yesterday? Um, Someone wrote this. I'm utterly shattered to hear this terrible news about my Ray. I can be anywhere in the world. People will come up, tell me their favorite movie is Goodfellas. So that was about Ray Liotta. That was Lorraine Bracco. Which is... Dr. Melfi. Yeah. Which you're like, well, I mean, they were just, they acted together. that's, That's still significant. Yeah. You know? It's well, almost like your movie or, you know, your movie wife or husband and their their role in Goodfellas is so, like, they're so friggin' awesome together. Yeah. Like, the you know, the, the wife who's along for the ride, yeah. but, you know, knows about all the crime. And, uh, like, the uh, my girlfriend and I joke about it all the time. It's funny. The, the freaking name has taken on a new meaning, right? Karen. But from that movie... What it used to mean was Leota at the end of the movie, he's so freaking desperate because he's, he's, you know, coked out of his mind. He's got a helicopter. The feds are onto him, you know, and he comes home and that whole scene where she flushed the coke down the toilet, it was like $60,000. And he's like, Karen, yeah. why did you do that? And it's like the desperation in his voice. And she's like, I don't know. I don't know. That like, it's Whoa. such an awesome scene. And I, before we get into, yeah. you know, lighten it up, it, it is sad. The guy was 67 years old. And for me, you know, movies and TV remind you of different eras, you know, different times in your life. Mm. And he was in that. That was a great movie. And he was in, you know, he's in so many cool roles, man. When I saw it, I'm like 67, he was, he was doing a movie and he passed away. I believe there were three, three, there were three iconic scenes in that movie with those two. And, 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 you know, you say, yeah, they were, it was, it was just that movie. But the thing is they were so young and. It doesn't matter because it was some. They were somewhat of roles that just sent them into a new level, right? The it just it just catapulted them. But the three iconic scenes are the one where Tommy brings 
Karen to 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 the cab stand, and she gets out of the car. She goes, "I don't know who you think you are standing me up. Who do you think you are, Frankie mm-hmm. Valley?" Mm-hmm. There's that one. The second one is when she he wakes up from a nap and she's holding the gun to his head, and then she slowly puts it down, and he turns the table, smacks her, turns over, and holds it to her and said, "How does it feel?" And he walks out, and she yells, I'm sorry! Uh, and then the uh, coat flushing uh, scene. Uh, but those three iconic scenes and where you three, see three different dynamics of their relationship over the course of, but it's that type of role, it's those types of roles in that type of movie which you forge a lifelong relationship. And that's one movie. Imagine, like, the relationship, I mean, imagine this for Lorraine Bracco. The two strongest leading men in her life yep. of her two of her two most iconic roles yep. are now hanging out up north yeah. in that Jam, James Gandolfini and Ray Liotta. Yeah, and it's, it would serve everyone well to go back and watch Sopranos and really concentrate on the Doctor Melfi trivia Tony question. Soprano sessions. They're pretty amazing. Trivia question: Lorraine Bracco is the very first character in the entire movie. Our entire series. He she comes out the door and she goes, Mr. Soprano. And she's that was one of the trivia questions when I did the Sopranos tour. Uh, for it, they put you on the bus and they do the opening credits and with the pl- music playing on the bus. And there's a guy that's sitting there on the microphone and you they do the trivia contest. And I just I cried. Nobody could hang. I, I mean, it was I was that I was that pain yeah. in the rear. You know, tour tour guy that was on the tour that every time he before he finished the question, blah, 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 I have the answer. So I had to I had to pipe it down, and then it got to the point where like two thirds of the way through, nobody could get it. He just yelled at the back, Willie. But it was it was cool. But that was one of the trivia questions: is who was the first person to have a hmm. speaking role? You've uh, you've done a, st- a ton of stuff with Sharipa, so he's like you know completely connected to that that whole scene. Yeah, you know all the uh, I'll call them mob actors. Same guys, actors, and actresses did a lot of the movies. Um, sometime in the next like three, four, five weeks, we should get someone on who's you know closely tied to Leota or Goodfellas. Because I, I would, I've never seen. Have you seen any stories on uh, or interviews with him on how he got the role of Henry no, Hill? No, because I was looking back at at his career and like like he started working the eighties and he hadn't done like a ton of big stuff. And then to land, I think it, Goodfellas was 1990, um, to land that role. Like, what a freaking role. Yeah. I mean, it, like I said, it, it, I mean, you think about it, you land that role, and all of a sudden you're in a movie with the likes of uh, Joe Pesci, Robert De Niro, Paul Servino. I yep. mean, they're, they're I mean some... the, the Pesci on, you know, the whole thing about being funny. Oh yeah, that's. I mean, that's. I mean, that's. That's, 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 that's unbelievable. That's probably. I mean, if you were to, if I mean, if, if anybody were to Google top twenty movie scenes of all time in in any genre, I would imagine it's, that that's going to come up for somebody. It's the you know Henry Hill, Leona laughing, and then like, oh no, yeah, and then oh, okay. What What do you mean? Funny? Okay, yeah, okay, I'm all right. What do you mean funny? Yeah, you know, the, no, no, the, no. The, the, the shop busting, and you're like, oh crap, what did I just do? Yeah. This guy is a lunatic. Oh, oh, he's a big boy. You know what he said. <laughs> but you know what? Uh, someone was someone on someone on one of the social media said. Uh, I love Pesci too. Said, uh, he's great. Said you know oh, that you think of Goodfellas first, but don't forget that he played Shoeless Joe Jackson. But you know the role yeah. I really love that he played. He played Johnny Depp's father in Blow. 
and he knocked it out of the park in such a, you know, in, in, in the, in the, the role that Johnny Depp played, right? He has to have parents. He's got to go, he's got to turn to people that, you know, in the different trials and tribulations he goes through in that movie. And every time he had a role with, with, uh, with Leota, the the role where Leota tells him there's a there's a scene where he where he tells him he goes, I know what you're doing, you know it's you know I'm not happy about it, but you're my son, so you know. But it's it's he 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 it was a fa- it's fantastic because it's such a secondary third fourth role to the other characters in the movie, but it's it, but it's because it's Ray Leota that played the father. That those scenes are iconic as well. I feel like Willie's character on this show, as it develops, is the guy who's got to come in after he gets predictions right from like a week ago, three weeks ago, whenever, a year ago, and he's like, hey, time for some credit. All right, we'll give you some credit on the way back. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. It's Cofield and Company's eye on sports gambling. I'm going to kill your bookmaker. I'm going to rip his throat out. I will step on his throat until the man chokes. Let me tell you how. Winners, 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 winners. Free, 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 free. By the way, I screwed up the uh, Rayleigh on the timeline. He was in Field of Dreams, mm-hmm. 89, and then Goodfellas, so he had... Peter did on uh, some pretty big things, and he actually got nominated for a bunch of awards. I've never seen this movie. Something Wild is the name of the movie. So, but was just reading up on him. You know, started out doing soap operas late seventies. So we we're just talking I've about. Already, Ray, I'm already working the phones. I got Ray both Leota. phones working. Uh, yeah, you're gonna get. You're getting some connections. I've already got one guests. person to text me back. I call him after the show, and I have sent the text out to Bobby Bacala, Steve Sharippa. Nice. So we'll see. See what we can do. See what we can drum up to maybe talk a little old Vegas and Ray Liotta. All right. That would be cool. Well, Vegas has some some true tough guys, you know? And uh, some of them have gone on to be in the movies, right? A couple of fighters I know have done, you know, some some roles like, you know, in their 40s now as mm-hmm. heavies. You know, we're regular. We used to do shows with them here. Frank Trigg, he's got a bunch of work. Yeah. Uh, Jay Haran is a guy who, you know, you'll see in – in movies, and maybe Major League Baseball player Tommy Pham is going to be that guy down the road. What is going on with him? Didn't he? He wanted to beat the snot out of Luke Voigt about three weeks ago, and was like, yeah, I know about an MMA gym. We can go there. And apparently something happened today. What happened with Tommy Pham and Jock Peterson? It's just, I, I, there's no explanation. It just sounds like he, it was during the pregame, and uh, the Giants were warming up in the outfield. And Tommy Pham confronts Peterson in the outfield during pregame warmups. They were separated. No punches were thrown, but the incident was witnessed by reporters. Um, and it happened before fans actually entered the ballpark. So uh, Gabe Kapler, who we spoke about earlier, he uh, said, we're investigating it, learning as much as we can about the incident, taking it very seriously until we have a clear understanding of what happened, not willing to discuss it. So, but yeah, Tommy Pham, you know, uh, the last Las Vegas product that we saw for the Reds. Uh, now, okay, I had his name, and now it escaped me. Who's the oh, Amir Garrett? Remember, yeah. and he rushed the whole dugout. The Pirates. Yep, that was a great move. Though. I love that. That was Let's fantastic. Do it. Let's do it. So we got an NBA pregame right now on uh, the TVs in the studio. Celtics Heat coming up. Warriors are in. Warriors are in. What do we have to do to give you credit? How much credit do you want? And I don't. What did you say? 
The vast amateur had no time to pull we your did, uh, your we, many highlights we of did, making we did. the prediction. It's funny because you said last last before we went to break, you said, "Well, there was a movie role, but you know, in the in the casino, they gave De Niro's uh, character eighth Ace Rothstein." A.K.A. Frank Rosenthal, when they they were saying, you know, this guy knew everything. He pre- he could predict this. He so you know basically just call me Ace because you have us on a strict timetable. I have to when I am on the show. I have to, I have a deadline that we'll I have fast. to send topics. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. April nineteenth, my topic list included: Are the Warriors the best team in the Warriors Conference? Willie, yep. On April twenty sixth, my topic list said. NBA Finals, Celtics versus Warriors, anyone? We're on the brink of it. I mean, I'm just saying. I don't know why I bet with you. Because you like to take me. You you like for me to say, here's where we're going. I'm just going to lose. And then you know we're going to go eat I don't good. know what I'm doing. I'm just going to lose. Well, we could just start company expensing it. <laughs> <laughs> Unlikely. You know, I actually, I was thinking of our, our Chiefs bet. You might back out of this. I'm not backing out of nothing. Chiefs. Especially when Colin Kaepernick Chiefs comes and Raiders time. wins for the season. You've got the Raiders plus two and a half wins versus the Chiefs. We didn't name a place. We just said uh, an Italian restaurant. I was actually thinking if you win, you get to pick your Italian restaurant, uh, one of the classic places in town that you love. I was thinking, you know what? Because this would be a double win. It would be a loss for you. If I win, I may just go chain Italian restaurant. Chain. Will you flip out? <laughs> Look at him. Look there's at him, man. He's getting. There's only one. That's a victory for there's me. There's only one chain I'm thinking, and <laughs> that would be fine with me. It's not, if, if it's the one I'm thinking, it's going to cost me a lot, and I'll just be getting salad and breadsticks. I don't know if that's the one you're talking about, but. I'll, I'll be drink. I don't drink wine. I'll be drinking wine. Lots of Peronis. Nah, there's, several, there's several chain Italian restaurants that have all that stuff. You do what you got to do. And it's kind of, you know, rubbing rubbing your nose and what your standards are. Nah. Opening the wound. Nah. And pouring some uh, what salt now, some Parmesan right in the wound. I'm, I'm, I'm some, cool with it. Some old, dusty Parmesan at let the, me at out the here, chain let, place. Let's speak in, since, I love all the chain places, too, by the way. Wait a minute. I'm not let, that picky. Wait a minute. Let me, let's, uh, let, let me ask you a question. Remember, I, you are making a very risky move. For some reason, Willie decided to. Sit down. Now he's got a bad knee. He just got surgery on it. But I'm, I'm telling you, Let me we have not been in the studio a lot lately. The I don't. What are they? Are they doing like jumping jacks on these chairs? Every chair I sit in is like freaking Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. Who knows? That's an old reference. Let me ask you a question. I, I, I thought you were going overboard there. When you <laughs> I thought you're going to flip. When you go to uh, when you go out to dinner. Yes. Right, especially if somebody else asks you out. Say, hey, let's go out. Happens go. all the time. People okay. love to hang out with me because they know you're going to pay. No, no, and that was completely sarcastic. Okay, so if somebody pulls out their the they pull out the card and say, "Okay, well, we can just split it." And, okay, once you've made that declaration, it's done. Like I don't have, I'm like okay, and you just pull out. Then they keep going, so we'll just split it. So we'll just. That's basically an indicator. Like you're waiting for me to say, "No, I got it." Oh, really? Well, yeah. I didn't know that was a trick. That happened to me the other night. Oh, it did at the charcoal room. You know who pulled that? Mom. Well, I mean, do we want to get, get into this? The I mean, thing is, I, I mean, kind of owe her. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, we exactly. All owe moms. I think she's. I think. I think she realizes though that I mean, because I don't think that like Jordan tries to have dinner with her once a week or dinner or lunch 
or they meet for coffee and I try to have dinner with her. And it's 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 automatic. It's like you shouldn't never pay. But when you pull it out, I just get a kick out of the whole it's it's like a it's like a whole scene. It's like a whole sitcom scene. You know, it's she's gotta go through the entire thing of well, we'll split. Okay, okay. And then like then the check comes. Okay, so you wanna just split it? <laughs> you just you you're you're waiting for me to say, Mom, you know what? For the rest of your life, you never have to pay for dinner, bre- nothing. She's texting me during the breaks. She wants to go see the new uh, Top Gun movie. It's automatic. I mean, if I if we meet there at the box office, I'll buy a ticket for me, her, and stepdad. But it'll be a it'll be a whole conversation, right? Because I think she doesn't want to seem like the freeloader. But it's like, mom, I mean, you know, you you did good for like right. eighteen years. Yeah, you covered me. You covered me for eighteen years. <laughs> I so I mean, I'm fifty. I'm fifty three. So I guess you know the the thirty five years after, I got you. By the way, did you see the story around the Warriors? Victory with Barkley in the crowd. Yes. So they got that. I was, set I was watching out, it live. They got that set outside, and and you know people are throwing stuff at them. We have a Sharipa update, by the way. Oh uh, well, let's get it later. Okay. Um. So you remember? Was it last week? Remember when Barkley said, "You know what? I'd like to have a fan yes. say that to my face at center court." You know when fans are going at players, I'll meet him at center court and give me five minutes. And that day, I was like Charles. You're like 58 years old. Mm. You're 6'4", 425 pounds. I'm not saying I want to fight you, but you ain't lasting five minutes with anyone, even the worst fighter ever. Um, Hey, there were fans there yesterday, Chuck. Let's go! I thought you wanted to fight them. Get up and start fighting. See, this is all fun and games on TNT when they're in the studio. You get fans all fired up. And they don't like you, but they and then you say you want to fight them at midcourt, and it's just like some kind of fantasy, which, by the way, I saw, did, I don't know if you saw the video the other day behind the scenes, Shaq, who's gigantic, I mean, and Shaq's actually in pretty good shape now, mm-hmm. um, he, he's never been fat, but, you know, Shaq at three, you know, 340 pounds at 7-1, they started grappling a little bit, and I was like, he's going he's gonna to kill Barkley from sheer exhaustion, like, Barkley's just going to collapse, Barkley had nothing. Now, I'm not saying, I, again... I don't think anyone would have anything unless you're a professional fighter against friggin' Shaq. But, uh, yeah, it was like, all right, Chuck, you're the one who was talking tough, man. You want to get fired? You have, um, fans all fired up. This is what can happen. You're right. You're right. He 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 threw it out there. but what he And the was, fans are being jerks. Don't he, throw yes. stuff. You don't throw. That's just it. So you don't know who did it. He didn't know. And they're throwing stuff while he's doing a live spot. What he said was, you want to get tough, you want to get rowdy, meet me at center court, blah, 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 blah. He's not saying interrupt the broadcast of a, of a national TV show. I mean, or, yeah, national, you know, a post game. You don't do – I mean, I kind of agree. He got upset. What, you, he, you, what did he do, you, grab a coffee mug? Yeah. He grabbed a coffee mug, turned around, and Ernie was like, sit down, Chuck, sit down, Chuck, sit down, Chuck. Huh. You know, but – But when you when you say stuff like that and you oh, don't tr- think about the real world, right? I don't know if you know what's going on around this country – People are ready. Yeah. Like, they're on edge. And you know what? I, so I, I, I don't even I want to encourage this. I dial this. it down a little bit. I don't even want to encourage talk. this or throw this out there. But in general, with what we've seen the last three weeks in three different cities, there could be some angry fans out there mm. to decide, you know what? What, and, seem, what seems, what seems angry, completely ridiculous. Not only but ang- is, is it beyond the realm of possibility? Not only angry no. sports fans, but angry racial sports fans. Because because we've seen we've certainly seen angry people the last few weeks. So yeah, you know you're right, and that's it's it's very dangerous these days to call specific people out when you you know it's 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 ugly. 
It's War- ugly right now. Warriors make the final. Andrew Wiggins has been one of the uh, valuable players. Um, saw a quote dug up about Nick Wright. Quote, this is from uh, two years ago. Andrew Wiggins is a bad basketball player. He's owed $95 million over the next three years, starting next year. It's unspeakable. The Warriors did this. It's over for them. We will never see Steph in another NBA Finals again, ever. I will remind you again, we are paid to have opinions, not necessarily to be right all the time. Poor Nick Wright.